Hey everyone, welcome to Black, Married, and in the Military, a podcast that explores unique experiences, challenges, and even triumphs of military life. I'm Teresa Alexis, known as the Military Bride Strategist, and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Lindsay Cavanaugh, who is a Navy wife, and she is the founder of Married to Military, a podcast and community aimed at elevating the lives of military spouses. As a clinical psychologist for 12 years and now turned life coach, she is passionate about helping military families get through the journey easier, healthier, and happier. And she's the mother of an active toddler. And so today she will be talking to us about her time as a psychologist and some of the main issues she's seen with military spouses and just military couples in general. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess just to start is I would say the number one thing, regardless of people of why people were coming in to see me, it all boiled down to relationships, right? It was that maybe whatever issue they were having was also affecting their relationship or they were having issues with their relationships that were then affecting, you know, other things that were going on. And so it always I feel like I was always working on relationships um, in some way. And it kind of boiled down to really a couple of things. So one thing would be as an active duty, and you'll be able to speak to this, right? As active duty, you're trained in a certain way to be successful. So you have to be emotionless. You have to be mission focused. You have to be in the zone. You can't let anything um, get in your way. Well, now look at what you need to do to have a healthy relationship. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. You have to be willing to sort of let things come and go. And so those two don't always line up is what I was finding. And so you were having spouses, like people on my side that were getting frustrated, like, why don't you tell me what you feel and what's going on? And then you have the military train that are like, I don't know how to do that. I literally don't have those skills. And so people were then just missing each other with communication. So that was a big, big thing that I noticed. And yeah, and so I I can definitely attest to that. As far as, you know, being emotionless and basically having to turn off everything that's not, you know, essential to the mission and what you're supposed to be doing at the moment. But I I found, and I'm not a psychologist, but I, I mean, I have common sense and I have awareness. I have found that that is true for a lot of couples, the spouses who aren't in uniform are like, I need you to talk to me. I need you to share like what's going on in your head, you know? And it's like, they they want connection. They're craving that connection, which we're all wired to have. And, you know, the service member is like, okay, I don't really know how to connect, you know, because I have all this training and all these things telling me that I need to just kind of turn off my emotions and turn off my feelings it's like okay I don't know how to switch that on and off it's like Mm -hmm. either on or it's off there's no Mm -hmm. like in between kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so I've seen that with a lot of couples and 
even with the dual military couples, it's like, okay, you have both of these people who are trained in the same way, whether they're in the same branch or different branches. And it's like, okay, now when we are together at home, not doing, you know, necessarily mission driven stuff, how do we connect? How do we, you know, turn those emotions on and say, okay, this is how we're going to strengthen our bond. This is how we're going to get further in our marriage and make it work as a team. And I know that was something that was even hard for me and my husband. Me personally, though, I had to make a conscious decision to take off the military hat, you know, when I came home. And what I did was I would come in the house and I would literally take off my entire uniform except my skivvy shirt. And that was me mentally taking off work, basically. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. helped me. I don't know what my husband did. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he'll probably come on here later to say what helped him to do it or, you know, whatever he still struggled with. But I know for me, that's basically what I had to do. So if you're listening to this, just know, even if you have to strip down, coming in the house, do that if it'll help you like take off the military part of thing like it'll be like hey here's my switch I can turn on my emotions I can turn on you know my connection to my family yeah well and I also would to add on to that I think that's great I do the same thing with my husband or he does the same thing he changes sometimes he even changes before he comes home And, or, and sometimes I notice if he gets into what we call military mode, I'll say, well, remember you're at home, remember you're at home. Um, But for military spouses, I think it's important for us to remember that sometimes it has nothing to do with us. I think so many times we think our partner doesn't want to connect with us or they don't care or they don't love us or right. Like that they're not being vulnerable because of us or they don't want to when it may have nothing to do with us altogether. It might really be, they don't know how to be vulnerable because they've been trained and conditioned for so long not to. And I think that that's a big thing, right? If I know okay, you're not doing this because of your training, right? It has nothing to do with me. Now I'm out of that and I don't have to feel bad. I, and I can in some ways be more supportive because I'm not as hurt around it. Does that make sense? It does. And so here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. So the military spouse is listening. The service member does want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. They really do. I mean, they married you, so they do want to connect with you. They love you, but it's it's a back and forth. It's like tug of war. So mm-hmm. it's like the military is pulling on this side. And while people like myself, we're like, our family comes first. And it do to us. It really, truly does. But, you know, when we sign up to join the military, it's like mission first, mission first. And, you know, it's always that that thing where we're trying to find the balance which is just complete chaos sometimes and I know every military person has heard if the military wanted you to have a family they would have issued you one wrong mindset wrong mindset because they do say it but the it's the wrong mindset because when you have a thriving home and that's marriage 
your children, just the routine that works for y'all, whether you're dual military or not, then career advancement goes a lot smoother and a lot better. You can't, you cannot have one without the other because it, mm-hmm. it will start to affect. So on the flip side, so if work life is stressful and you don't know how to turn that off and you just bring it all home and just vomit it all over your spouse and your children, oh, that's going to be so stressful and it's going to be complete chaos at home, chaos at work. Mm-hmm. But if you're having problems and if you're having problems at home, it's going to carry over into work eventually, even if it's not right away. However, if you're, if you have a great home base, cause it's a base, great home base, then it'll be easier for you going to work. You, you won't be as stressed out. You won't be as worried. Mm-hmm. You won't be, you know, crazy. Like we feel sometimes when we go mm-hmm. and just feel like yeah. we doing a bunch of nothing for nothing. I know for us, whoo, I'm not going to sit here and say it was easy. It was complete chaos with both of us being Marines and, you know, dual military spouses can attest to this. It's, it's chaos sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. when you start to have children, because for some reason you have these commands that forget that women are in uniform and they're like, okay, why can't your wife do it? It's like, cause she worked down the hallway and she, she's at work too. Like what you mean, <laughs> you know? And then you have my command. They're like, "What's your husband doing?" And I'm having to tell them, "Hey, my husband's getting pushed back from his command. They're thinking I should do it all, and so I'm having to get my higher ups involved. And then you know, his higher ups are having to get involved in different situations because sometimes it'll be my command that's trash, and sometimes mm-hmm. it'll be his command that, for some reason, is crazy and confused. Like, what's your wife doing?" Mm-hmm. being a marine like me duh <laughs> you know and so I don't know people would just assume that yeah you're not doing anything and it's like we are even if you're a military spouse at home sometimes you have appointments sometimes you have different things that you have to do for yourself and sometimes you're not at home you have a job a career <laughs> you're working so it's kind of those things where it, it's just chaos sometimes yeah, and, and honestly, all the more reason why you need to be connecting, and this is always what I said, is if you, because those are just some examples, and even those, like hearing them, like I'm so stressed out, right? And and the more that you have that solid foundation and that solid base, like you said, with each other, everything yeah. else gets better. And I also can attest to that military military active duty military veterans they can be vulnerable I mean I've worked with for 12 years and they can get there sometimes they need a little training and so instead of being criticized you know one thing is military spouses that we can do is support we can tell them when they are being vulnerable and when it feels good so that they know that they can continue to do that We can ask for what we need really specifically because we might just say be vulnerable, but the other person doesn't know what that even means or looks like. So being really specific with it, I want you to tell me your feelings. I want you to ask me about my day. I want, right, like being really specific about, you know, what it is that you're wanting from your partner. And, and just know, I I can't tell you how many times I've had military spouses tell me, 
well, that's great that you have all these conversations with your husband, but like mine, you know, just doesn't do that. I get, he's a Marine. He's, you know, he's a, he's a army ranger. He's this, that, the other, like he just doesn't. And, and my answer is I have heard all of these people be vulnerable. They can get there. They want to, I mean, there's so many benefits like we just talked about if you do it. And so I don't buy that just because you're this, that, and the other, that you can't do it. It just is a matter of a little bit of training, a little bit of support and, and communicating about what's working and what's not working. And once you get it figured out, it's easy then. You don't, well, not easy, but you don't have to talk about it as much. Um, you just have to get there first. Yeah, and it, it also has to be like a willingness to do it. Um, for some reason, wives take the supportive role as negative. And I would say that's society's fault because mm-hmm. I'm a very dominant person. I have a very dominant personality. I'm a strong leader. You know, I make mistakes. I've learned from them. And, you know, not to say my husband isn't, but our job as wives, one of our jobs, because we have many, is mm-hmm. push our husbands to be the best that they can be. And yeah. that's not to say that they don't do that for us too. But mm-hmm. I think the mistake we make is focusing so much on what they don't do yeah. for us instead of being the best we can for ourselves and then pouring into our husband. We have to find something to pour into ourselves. Each of us, each of partners, the husband and the wife should do that for themselves. Find Mm -hmm. something that builds you up so that you'll have something to give, you know, and don't focus so much on what they're not doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, I pray for my husband. I pour into him. And, you know, I push him to be better. I don't let him settle. Um, And maybe that's, (laughs) maybe that can be like, oh my God, you push him so much. It's like, yes, because I know, I see more than the potential in my husband. I see everything that he can be. And I'm not saying I'm perfect because Lord knows it don't always go right (laughs) about how I hate it, you know, but all in all, he knows I want him to be his best. And, you know, not just because I'm benefiting, but because it'll benefit him and it'll grow him, you know, spiritually for us, mentally, you know, and even physically. And so wives, I want you to know that your role as a supportive spouse is not unheard. And it's a process. It's not going to be like, I just poured into him for like an hour straight today. And he not together yet. I mean, I wish it could work like that. We all do. But that's just not how it works. It don't even work that way for us. So we can't expect that from our spouse. You know? Yeah. It's we're totally on the same wavelength. I actually just wrote a whole Instagram post about I'm going to throw some psychology terms at you um, about it. So we have what's called automatic thoughts. These are the thoughts that just come up into our heads that we don't try to have. They're just there. And we do this about our relationship. We have these automatic thoughts. And most of the time, they're negative. We're thinking about the things that we don't like, the things that aren't working, the things that bug us, the things that, right, like all of that stuff. And there is 
you know, that's just going to happen. We're not trying. And so what we really have to do, though, is focus on the good stuff, focus on the things that you love about your partner, the things that you're doing that you appreciate, the things that, that they're doing that make you feel good to balance out just those automatic thoughts and really making sure that that's, you know, you really want more positive than negative, really. Um, but knowing that the negative ones are just coming, you really need to focus on um the positive. And I love what you said about kind of supporting because it really is sort of pushing each other, but in the best way. And sometimes I, I even would communicate that like I am pushing you because I care about you so much and I see so much potential in you and I want so much for you. It's not because I don't like who you are now. I love who you are now. I think you're awesome now, but I also know that you know, you and I can both grow further. And so sometimes just, you know, reminding them of that can also help with the, the growth process as well. Yeah. And it's not pushing you to be a different person. It's yeah. pushing you to be a better version of yourself because I am the same, but I'm like more mature, obviously, you know, so better version of myself. I definitely am not the same person as I was when I was 20. Cause yeah. clearly, I mean, thank God just, for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, and I have like three kids now, so, you know, it's like, I'm a totally different person. I have a different mindset. I'm driven by different things now. So it's like, I'm not still immature, whining and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that I would do as like a teenager or something like that. So I just want you to talk a little bit about um, something else you've seen as far as like couples when they come to you, because I know we really kind of talked about the individual aspect of it, but I want you to kind of talk about like when couples have come to you, some of the things that you've seen. Yeah. One thing in military relationships is the distance that always happens, right? You're not together a lot, whether it's deployments or trainings or workups or whatever you want to call it and, and feeling really disconnected. Um, I think that, you know, how do you become connected when you're apart all the time? So that's something that I definitely hear or heard a lot when I was working um, for the military, um, which we can jump into that a little if you want to before I kind of go on some of the others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my thing with the distance is finding ways around it, right? Like, how do you communicate when you're not able to communicate? How do you connect when they're not in front of you to connect? Um, and so for, for it's going to be really different for everybody. Like one thing that I do when my husband is gone is I will like, write him like I, I have an email draft up and when I think of something I want to tell him I just put it in there I don't even always send the email or I don't but like it just like communicating with him even though it's not actually even getting to him but like feeling that I'm having that um you know for other people that might look different maybe you actually just talk to them you know out loud or maybe you um 
find ways that, that you can, I don't know, send cards or, you know, give cards to each other before they leave. And then you can open them at certain times, like, you know, little things that you can do that connect even when they're not here. And do you want to, before I, cause yeah. I was going to also say with that, like, it's really hard when you're like mad at your spouse and then they're gone. Cause like, how do you fight with somebody like one, he's deployed. So I don't want to be like bringing up a whole bunch of stuff, but yet I'm still here, like upset about something. And it's, yeah. it's also finding that balance too. Right. So how do you communicate both the good and the bad? So my expert advice for that type of thing would be to, like you said, have a deployment journal and you can either split it into sections and here's the, I'll just use two sections. Here's the things I want to communicate about you that I appreciate, you know, that I love about you, different stuff. I miss you, uh, the love letters, all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. for the ones that you're not sending. Then on the, in the other section, all the things, you know, y'all need to work on you know, okay, we need to work on our communication or this kind of thing makes me uncomfortable that you do um, or whatever it may be that, yeah. that is happening for you for you guys. But also do not, while your spouse is TAD or deployed, do not, and I know this is hard. I know, I'm, I know what I'm about to say is not something that is easy. Don't, in all caps, don't have an argument. Do not. It can wait. And you know why I can wait? Because they are in harm's way more times than not when they are deployed. Mm -hmm. You don't want the last thing for y'all to discuss to be something that puts y'all at odds with each other because you don't want to be finding yourself feeling like crap if they don't make it home. It, It can wait. One of the things me and my husband decided early in our marriage and we didn't really think about it till like, you know, we were had been married a while, but we're not about to have an argument over the phone. If I'm TAD doing something, I need to be focusing on the exercise so I don't look like crap, you know, because I'm all worried about home and, and my relationship and stuff like that. And if he's deployed to come back or just deployed anywhere, humanitarian, whatever, we're not having an argument. If you call me, it's, hey, I miss you. I love you. I, I, I'm praying for you. You know, I'll pray for him right there if that's what he needs, you know, or I build him up, encourage him because everything else can wait. Everything yeah. else, it just really can. It's not that important. Like it's important, but it does not go above the life of my spouse. And so if my spouse is out there doing everything they need to do, which is a huge sacrifice, y'all, a huge sacrifice. I know I've been in the boots and I've worn a uniform. It's a huge sacrifice. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, comes above the life of your spouse. So always make sure that, that, and that's a boundary that we set. So always make sure you put in place a boundary that will make your spouse know that they are valued Mm -hmm. and that they are loved. And active duty people who are listening to this, this applies to y'all too, vice versa. Do not, if you know you're out there, don't do something that you know is going to break your spouse's heart and definitely don't be having arguments over the phone because mm-hmm. huge distraction. You do not need to be distracted when you're deployed, when you're TAD, just even in garrison, you don't need to be distracted in that way. It can wait. And even if it has to wait t- to the weekend, even if you have to table it, it it's going to be okay. 
It's going to be okay. You just have to find what's more important to you. And, you know, for me, and I feel like for you that are listening, your spouse's life is more important. Mm -hmm. So that would be my expert advice. And I know that's something that has worked for me and many of the couples that I coach. Yeah. And I love the, I love the journal. I also even say have that friend that you can vent to about it. So it's a friend that you're not going to be worried about, you know, judging your relationship, but a way for you, for the one back home. So you're still getting it out. You're still like not holding it. You're still, but not to your partner. Cause you're right. Even, even like the passive aggressive stuff, even if it's not like a full argument, like that's still not, you know, what you want to be bringing to the table. So a lot of times my husband and I ahead of time, we, and I'm talking not like the day before the deployment, I'm talking like months before the deployment, we'll sit down and be like, how do we want to do this? What kinds of things do you need from me? What kind and vice versa? And how, you know, and, and then obviously the deployment happens and things and we'll do maybe a month after because we'll give each other time to reintegrate after the deployment, we'll kind of like how to go, we'll do like a recap, um, how to go, what we do well, what we not do well. Um, cause it's all just a learning experience for when you figure out how to do it next time. I love the journal just so the whole point is get it out of you, but so share it, but just not with, not with your partner. So you want it. And then maybe later on when they come home again, like a month later, you have the conversation about whatever it was, but mm-hmm. it's a time when you can both actually deal with it and look at it. And, you know, honestly, I think what's important is to have the pre-deployment coaching, which is something that I do, and post-deployment coaching to be able to say, set set things up to say, hey, we're, well, he's deploying, and this is what we need to do prior to leading up to this point, and what you do during, and then when you come back, it's like a reintegration all over again, because in military life, and you can attest to this too, there's like always transition. I don't think <laughs> there's even a point where we can breathe and there's none. I Yeah, there's none. No real breath that you can take when there's no transition. And especially if your spouse has one of those jobs where it requires them to be gone, like every six months or, mm-hmm. you know, every other year or every year, depending on what they're doing. Like, I feel like my husband always picked a job that was like, (laughs) I'm out. I'm like, and you know, I know that's what we're doing, but it's like, at first I felt like, okay, how come he deploying and I don't get to go? (laughs) What is this? Like they even took my name off the man and doc twice to choose him. And I'm like, how is he getting to go? You know? And it's one of those things like, I appreciate what I got to do. I mean, I didn't, I was, I was trying so hard y'all and, you know, and I wasn't like one of those top, like really, really moto people. I know other people would disagree. They would probably think I am like, especially in my early days in the military, but I was just trying to go and get it over with while I wasn't married and didn't have any kids, you know, and I knew my husband then we weren't married, but you know, replaced me the first time and we weren't even married. Then the second time we were married, got replaced (laughs) by him and so I was like okay (laughs) I was like you know what I'm done even trying or even saying I'm volunteering I'm I'm done and so 
but I did get to experience a lot of fun things and stuff that he didn't get to do. And I guess he got the deployments that I didn't get to do. So whatever. <laughs> you know, I didn't feel, I don't feel less than as a veteran because I didn't see combat. I was just like, ah, you know, it's one of those things that not, not everybody will see combat. And to me, that's fine. You served your time. Well, you did, yeah. Did your job. It's, it's all good. So, you the know, psychologist in me says we don't want everybody seeing con- conflict. There are many ways to serve your country and how to, and to do so admirably. And if you can do it outside of, of harm's way, I think even, well, there's always harm's way, but you know what I mean? The direct kind of combat um, route. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's so funny how all of our, my husband and I's like biggest arguments are have always been like post-deployment and I think it's funny because you always go in thinking like you know I'm so excited we're gonna you know I haven't seen him in so long and then oh (laughs) wait you want to watch something on tv but I've been watching this on you know it's just all these little things that you don't really think about um you know how things change even in that short period of time we are gearing up my husband uh not even till like December, he, we will change jobs and we know he's going to be gone a lot. He's going to be p- deploying one, if not twice. And, you know, all the workups and stuff in between. And we're already talking about it. You know, what do we need to do? What are we worried about? Um, you know, how, how can we start prepping? Because I think the sooner the better for yeah. both of us. Yeah, definitely. I like being proactive instead of reactive and, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about it ahead of time because you always already know, but sometimes you don't know. You don't know. That's just the reality. You know, one thing I want to talk about right here is the fact that this is a flaw. A lot of active duty and even reserve military people will think, oh, you know what you're signing up for. Hmm. Y'all can't see me shaking my head, but no, they don't. Like, no, they don't. Mm-mm. And especially if they haven't been in uniform, they it doesn't matter if their father or mother was in the military. The spouse role is a different animal. They have yeah. no clue, no idea what they're actually getting into. They just have this thing in their head, I guess, this, this mm-hmm. idea in their head of what it may be like. But until you're in it, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> this is not, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. Like you, you may have known like your husband would be gone. You may have yeah. known like, Hey, they may have to work late hours, but all the other stuff you don't know until you're yeah. in it. And it's going to be different yeah. per marriage, per troop, you know, and per yeah. command and duty station. So all that stuff is going to be different. Like I'll use this example. I went to Oki you know, which is Okinawa, Japan. And my experience was different than the people who were actually there with me. They had a different type of experience. For them, it Mm -hmm. was terrible. For me, it wasn't really terrible. Not really, you know? And so for me, I had more fun than not fun. And for other people, they had more struggles than fun. And we were there together. So different, but Military spouses have no idea like really what they're getting into until they're in it. And when you're in it and you're in the trenches, you have a decision to make. You're going to stay in the fight or you're going to retreat. And 
So many times we see that not all, but they retreat more so than stay in the fight because it is hard. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It requires a lot of grit and sacrifice. It really does on both people's part, on the service member's part and on the spouse's part and just the family as a whole. And the idea that we're talking about here is, Mm -hmm. you know, through connection, through training and all of that, building a strong family unit so that the service member will be able to do the best they can in their job and their mission and all of that. And so that the spouse, because we can't forget about the spouse, can be the best that they can be protecting and caring for the home front. I mean, because both things are important, equally important. Don't let nobody tell you different. Yeah, I would say that was one thing that I would end up emphasizing a lot with active duty is is really helping them realize the work that the military spouse is doing at home. And they're doing it right. We're not as just a military spouse. We're not getting promotions. We're not getting gold stars. We're not getting, you know, pats on the back awards. We're not getting any of that stuff. And so I think that I think my husband just saying to me from time to time, like, I know what you're doing is hard. It makes a huge difference because it's, it's me seeing that he recognizes the work that I'm doing. Every time I've had to quit a job and move and have to start over again, you know, he, him commenting that he sees that effort or that sacrifice or that work, it makes a big difference to me. And it makes a big difference in my connection to him because of it. I think if you start as a couple getting into, you know, it's better to be home, it's better to be deployed. It's this yours is harder, mine's harder, right? You're you've lost each other, but you both recognizing that each person's job is really, really, really hard. And each person's job is really, really, really important. And you can't have one really without the other. Um, And so recognizing each other and saying that out loud and, and saying it more than you think you should say it, it, because it makes a difference. It really does. And, you know, there was a military uh, couple I was coaching and speaking to, and the wife was talking about how hard it was for her to really affirm her spouse and give him those words that he needed. Cause that's what, that's what his love language was. And, uh, and in turn, she wasn't getting what she needed, you know, to fill her love tank, um, as far as her love language. And so I was, I gave her, you know, tools and strategies to use. But the one thing I was like, you can set a reminder on your phone. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that say, you know, just put a reminder, say, remind me at the time, you know, he'll be up or that you can call him during the day and say, let me say these words of encouragement to him. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, people think men don't need it because they're strong. They are strong, you know, and so are we. But sometimes we need to be reminded Mm -hmm. of who we are and what we're capable of. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's very human. Yeah. humanistic I don't even know if that's a word it just sounded right <laughs> so you know well, yeah it, 
it's a deep human need, but also it's something that we're trained, right? In school, you get those, like you get the grades, you get the stickers when you're little, you get, right? You get all of these, my kid is potty training right now. She gets a chocolate chip every time she goes potty. But like, that's what we teach is that when you do something good, you get rewarded. And at some point we become adults and we don't get all that stuff anymore, but that doesn't mean we need the affirmations and we need that reinforcement any less. Correct. Definitely. And just with doing that, she has seen how it's reciprocated to Mm -hmm. her you know, which is a good thing. And I'm all over here like clapping and happy for them because, you know, while you're not giving to get, you reap what you sow. I know y'all have heard that analogy. So whatever you're sowing out there in the world or in your marriage, in your children, those are the things you're going to reap and get back and benefit. You know, you should be doing it out of good reason and not just, I'm just only going to give this to get this back because what happens when you don't get it back? You're Mm -hmm. disappointed. You're angry. You stop doing the thing that you know is right for you to do. You know, you're responsible for what you do. And I'm not saying don't say anything when your spouse is doing wrong, but they have to be accountable for their actions. And like I said, Mm -hmm. that don't mean you don't say anything, but when you both start to do the wrong thing, then that's how stuff spin out of control and bring you to me or Lindsay. You yeah. know, at some point we all need help, whether we're doing great or not so great. We all still need that, that continuing growth exercises and stuff. But like for me, I'm going to make sure I pour into my spouse and I encourage him the best I can. If he doesn't do it for me, I'm going to find something that pours into me and encourages me because I'm responsible for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm responsible for how I react. Yep. I actually have, because I love that one. Let me just, we should take a minute for that because I'm responsible for how I react, right? That's gold right there. But I actually have a really good example. I was seeing, um, a spouse and she came in and she was feeling really frustrated. She's like, my partner isn't listening to me. You know, it won't do anything that I say. I feel like I'm constantly nagging. You know, he's not talking to me as much now. We're very disconnected on and on and on and just really unhappy. And we kind of came up with this thing where, all right, let's just try something. And she didn't talk to him, you know, didn't tell him that we were doing this. But every time she would usually nag or say something negative, she was going to say something positive, something that she appreciated. So it was something that was true for her. It wasn't like fake, but that it was it was in when all of that negative stuff, she would to him outwardly say something positive. And after two weeks the results that we saw were insane. Like he was happier. He was reporting that he was happier in the relationship. They were communicating more. Um, He was being more open. He was giving a lot more of that positive affirmation. And it really got me thinking about, you know, the, the push and pull that we have in relationships, because 
they were really in this negative cycle where her nagging was making him pull away, which was making her nag more, right? And you had this just awful cycle. And just by breaking that and having, you know, her just change, like he ended up mirroring that in return. And like we said, like she wasn't asking for that. She wasn't telling him to do that, but we're also more likely to get back what we put in. And if we don't, like you said, we need to get our needs met in the way we can, because it's not our our spouse's responsibility to meet our needs for us. But so much good there. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know we've all heard this like saying it takes two to tangle and it does like, you know, Mm -hmm. you have one leading and the other one following, but it only takes one to break things off of your marriage that don't feed it. It only takes one to stand up and say, this is enough. I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm not saying leave. We're not about to go in this downward cycle and not make it. We're going to make it. This is what I'm determined to do. And your example is proof that it works. And also too, you know, it's, it's okay that it has to be you. I know for me, I used to get tired of it having to be me on a lot of, you know, situations and stuff like that. And I'm like, why do I have to be the one? I know. <laughs> who, who can attest to that? I, why do I have mm-hmm. to be the one? But you know yep. what? I took that as authority and power that I have to say, oh, our marriage is going to work and our marriage is going to work because I'm willing to reconcile even when I'm not wrong. Cause you know, nobody likes to be wrong, but sometimes we are not wrong. And to have to say, sorry, when you're not wrong, is very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. But like I said, you have to make the decision. Do mm-hmm. you want this marriage? Or do you want it to end over something petty? Because really, mm-hmm. that's what it be. I mean, yes, there are sometimes where it's like huge issues. And I'm not saying don't address those. But sometimes it's mm-hmm. just really petty. It's really petty. And the small petty things, if not dealt with, can become huge things. And you're trying to figure out, how did we get so angry about you stepping on my toe? And it was an mm-hmm. accident. You know, because you didn't say sorry right away. I know that's an example, but sometimes it'd be just that small and silly to where it's like, it just became a whole thing. Yeah. I say that a lot. I say, do you want a relationship or do you want to be right? Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm right, if I'm, at least to me, it doesn't matter if I'm right, if I'm alone. And I don't need, right. And, and my right, I could be right. And he can be right at the exact same time. And we forget that too, because we're different people and we see the world differently and we look at things differently. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's a mindset shift. It's just really looking at things. My shift with the, uh, why does it always have to be me kind of thing is, I'm glad that I get to be in control of my emotions and what I do, because I think it is scary as all get out to have somebody else control how I feel. And so I want to be in that control and I want to be the one doing it. And 
I have to remind myself of that sometimes when I'm annoyed with being in control all the time. But I think uh, ultimately it's a healthier place for me to be in because I am in control. In military life, you can't control a lot. So control what you can, (laughs) which is your own emotions and your own mindset. Hey friends, speaking of control, I want to tell you about an awesome community I created just for you. If you're a military wife, and that includes married military women, married female vets, and military spouses, you'll want to know about the group Military Marriage Matters on Facebook. In this group, we have fun, we have hard conversations, and we connect with each other both online and sometimes in person, depending on your location. From monthly events to weekly chats, this group will help you have fun and just let your hair down. You'll never feel alone as this group has a plethora of people from different walks of life. Get free resources and the inside scoop on events, courses, and coaching discounts that will be coming up specifically crafted for military marriages. If you're like me and are always looking for ways to connect, give back, and just thrive in life, marriage, business, and career, then this community is for you. To find out more info and to join, go to bit.ly slash three underscore MMM. That's bit, B-I-T, dot lee l y slash the number three underscore m m m so yeah just in talking about emotions and controlling them i know for a fact that that is not a skill that everyone learns as a child i so did not i was an adult with children already (laughs) you know when i finally grasped it but i was an adult when i first heard about like emotional intelligence and i'm like I don't know what that is. You know, I was probably like 18, 19, already in the military. And so, you know, the therapist explaining it to me, I was just like, that's something I probably should have learned as a kid. And, you know, she, she told me just how many service members and just adults period she has counseled and talk to who have never heard of emotional intelligence, who have mm-hmm. never been taught that. And, you know, I'm pretty sure my, my family or my parents didn't teach me about it because they didn't know themselves, can't teach me what they don't know. But it's still like, oh my goodness, my life would have turned out so much better up until that point had I known, like, you know, and been, been taught those skills. And so I'm very thankful that I, I learned it prior to marriage. And, you know, that I is something that I can teach my kids now. But having those control over your emotions is key. And it definitely not only helps you in your career or whatever, it helps you in the family unit with your marriage. And I just want to say, too, when you have a thriving marriage, a phenomenal marriage, great marriage, whatever you want to call that, when you have that and that connection is top notch or next level, you know, it does translate down to your relationships with your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be easier. You, you can't skip over <laughs> the marriage Mm-mm. and try to connect with your children because your spouse should come before your children. Now, I'm not saying you neglect your children. By all means, don't end up in jail and try to say, <laughs> I told you that. Uh-uh. <laughs> No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your spouse is the first person that you came into contact with. That's your marriage. It has to come before your children. It has, it's 
important. It's the most important. And also your relationship with your kids is important. There's mm-hmm. levels to this. And the marriage is at the top, you know, as far as human relationships, your friends, your outside family should not come before your spouse, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they, then the outside people definitely shouldn't come before your kids. So mm-hmm. it's your spouse, your kids, then whoever else you mm-hmm. want to have right there. But mm-hmm. those, those two, cause that's going to be your support system going forward in the military, you know, mm-hmm. and even when you transition out, they're going to be right there. And you don't want to have put all your time and energy into a job that's going to keep going after you're long gone mm-hmm. and to other people who not going to matter when you ain't got nothing to give them. Mm-hmm. So your spouse and your children should be your most important people in your life and should be the people that you pour into first before you go to give it to someone else. And that's, that's just a fact. Yeah. It's just a fact. Um, for me, me getting out, I mean, I got out for several reasons, mainly because of my children, because number one, I was tired of having the worry in the back of my head based off of what was going on with my daughter. And y'all will hear that in a later episode. And I was also tired of missing them wake up and go to bed. I was so tired of that because I didn't feel like for the job that I had, I felt like I shouldn't need to miss both of those things. Now I get coming in early every now and then I get staying late every now and then, but all the time, cause you know, I was financed. So there were seasons and admin people or people with the same job can attest to this. There were seasons where we just had to be at work all the time, you know, early and then late. I get that. But all the time, every day, like, and most of the time I was just sitting there looking at them because there was literally nothing we could do. It's like, can I go home? <laughs> yeah. Can I go home? Can, can, can everybody else go home? Shoot. Sometimes I would just be like, can, can the juniors go home and just, we do this. Cause you know, and trust me, I had every intention to be an officer for good reason. Cause I was like, we ain't about to do this all the time. We're not about to do this all the time where we just here looking at each other, do nothing. And our family at home just waiting for us to get there or falling asleep, waiting for us to get there. Mm -hmm. I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. So I just want y'all to hear that. That is a huge sacrifice and it gets to us. It's not like we're just out here, you know, doing all this stuff and we don't feel sad. We don't miss our our family, we don't say this sucks. Okay, smart people who really love their families and themselves be like, this sucks. I ain't, I ain't mm-hmm. trying to be here. And every now and then, the most high people be going home and we still at work. And I'm like, <laughs> ironic, isn't it? You know, I'm like, so what we doing? You know, and, and I know people who are listening to this who are active duty will be like, yes, there has been so many times where the higher ups will be at home and will tell us to go home. But as soon as they go out of sight, somebody who's like right there above us will be like, no, nah, we staying. And we're like, they just told us to go home. Why are we You here? heard what I heard. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I, I've only had, there's only been one occasion where I had 
a commander who was just like, go home and I'm going to stay here and make sure y'all go home. Don't you come back in this office. If you come back in this office, you're going to get a counseling from me. And we would all go home. But, you know, and we wouldn't come back because I ain't coming back. I'm not even answering the phone. I know that's bad. Y'all would probably say that's bad because I was a junior Marine at this time and, you know, not NCO level yet. And so I was like, I'm not answering the phone if they call me. Like, I'm, I'm not coming back there because it's not like I lived on base. I'm not coming back over there. I'll see you tomorrow. And if they say I called you, ah, do not disturb. <laughs> I had do not disturb on. Wasn't even a thing back then, but it's just like, I'm not answering the phone. I told my, I told my higher up one time that I was like, I can't answer the phone for you after a certain time, because if somebody's not dying, if it's not urgent, if we're not deploying like today, tonight, whatever, I'm not answering the phone for y'all to ask me something about work. I probably don't even know at that time because I'm incoherent right now because I'm already, you know, exhausted. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just want y'all to know, like us people who are in uniform, we be all moto and excited to be at work and stuff too, but we don't always like the sacrifices we have to make. We don't, we don't always enjoy them because mm -hmm. they really are crap sometimes and it sucks, but yeah. we, we know exactly what we sign up for and we need the support of our family you know mm -hmm. sometimes as a reminder and me and my husband were in so we constantly having to remind each other why we doing this stupid crap anyway mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just how we felt sometimes while we're doing it and saying hey you were called for this job this particular area this position whatever you got this yeah it sucks sometimes but you totally got this and it's gonna be amazing for you, you know, and, and to saying, I know this doesn't feel great right now, but know that I'm gonna support you and help you get through this because we definitely need each other, especially in marriage. We need to be each other's best friend. I mm -hmm. always say we're each other's forever battle buddy because we are, you never want your spouse to feel like, they just an afterthought or like second best. Yes. You need to be their day one and their number one because those are different. You need to be both yeah. though because it is like, it's mis mission essential. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah, I think that no matter, because I think sometimes it feels as a spouse, I think sometimes it feels like what, we feel isn't as important and my needs and my goals and everything is isn't as important and you know in some ways it's true right because the mission comes first and and his but that doesn't mean that it's not important to my spouse and I think that he can communicate that he supports what I do or want to do or if my frustrations with it and so I think it just works both ways I think that they're the way that we as spouses can support the active duty and the way that they can support us. And now sort of like what I was saying with that cycle, the more that you then do that, right? Like you just get better at it and everything else gets better. Yeah. And here's the thing too. It's not just active duty. So when we come off active duty, we take all that stuff with us. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's forever ingrained in us. It's almost like a part of our DNA. So yeah. when your spouse becomes a vet now, 
you're going to still probably have some of the same issues. They're going to be in this position more times than not of finding themselves again, finding out what they want to do, trying to figure that out because they also want to make sure that you're taken care of and you're not lacking also. So that is a foundational point to where if they don't, if you felt like they didn't need your support before, they need your support more now than ever. They need you to be their number one cheerleader more than ever. Because when people transition, they start to feel like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And they need a pick me up. They'll never say it, especially men. They'll never say it. You know, I never said it. But, you know, if you know your spouse, you'll be able to tell that something mm-hmm. is off and they are not themselves. And what you don't want to happen is for them to go in this spiral, because we all know veterans commit suicide like so much. Like, you know, the 22, 21 of them are vets. Only mm-hmm. one is the active duty. Mm-hmm. So and it's and that plays a huge, you know, that plays a mm-hmm. huge part into why they choose that route. They feel like they have lost themselves. They feel like they're not contributing anymore. They feel Mm -hmm. like they have nothing else to give if they're not doing Mm -hmm. this. You know, I won't say I had a huge problem with that, but it's only because I had worked so hard during the entire time I was in and a bit before on finding me, finding me. And I'm not a conformer. You know, people in the military would say I was basically belligerent or rebellious. (laughs) And, you know, military people are probably laughing at that, too, because they're like, yeah, yeah, we said it, especially if they know me, you know. And it wasn't that I was trying to be rebellious or like belligerent, but it's just like. I'm not doing that right there because it goes against my personal morals and I'm willing to stand up and say I'm not doing that. Yeah. To make it a point, you know, and it, it wasn't always about me. It's about the even I always say it's about those juniors that were under me that I was paving the way for. But I have been told on several accounts about the higher ups that's like. I ain't never seen nobody like you. Mm-hmm. That is so they was like, you're such a fighter. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not necessarily fighting. I'm just standing up, you know, for what I believe yeah. in, which is the same thing. But, you know, I'm just like, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just being me, saying who I am. I'm going after this rank and this is why. You're not going to take it from me. And if I feel like you're doing wrong, you know, your husband will know what this is, but I'm requesting mass. I'm going to talk to whatever higher up I need to talk to to make sure that not only myself, but those who coming after me, even years after, you know, lifetimes after, will be taken care of the right way. We'll know the policies. I won't sit up here and say I knew everything, but there's certain stuff I did know. And there's certain stuff that I was not going to tolerate, even being in. And I was encouraged, just even military people listening to this, you ain't got to lay down and take it. Yeah. Because that's not what makes a great leader. Yeah. You know, now some of those people do get promoted, but <laughs> don't. Well, I think there's like a way to take it. Right. There's a way to stand up for yourself without yeah. being belligerent. There are ways to ask questions. There are ways to, mm-hmm. I think that you can do it without. I mean, I worked for the military for a long time. So I've also had the, you know, the, the same I was the civilian, but I still had the same chain of command. I still had all the same, right? And 
I think you just, you learn how to do it in a way that doesn't come back and bite you in the butt, so to speak. Like, how do you just be true to yourself and your values and what you believe without, you know, and making everybody mad? Sometimes it's not even that easy. You'll go in with good intentions and you always got that one. <laughs> we all <laughs> say it in the military. There's always one. You go in, you try to, you know, talk to them and then they get offended because they start to feel themselves because they hide behind their rank and they will pull all types of rank and stuff. And it's, and you'll be sitting there and you'll be thinking like, how, how did we get, how did we get to this point? I'm pretty sure I came in here calm and respectful. So it's people listening can attest to this. It's like not always that mm-hmm. easy. Like we would love to think that it would go that way. We wish it would every time <laughs> it would make it so much easier, but yeah. unfortunately it's not going to be that easy all the time, but that doesn't mean we don't try. That doesn't mean we don't stand, you know, stay being respectful because mm-hmm. at one point or another, we're going to be either at that rank or in that chair, whether we're doing something different or it's on the civilian side, we're going to be in a position of leadership and we're going to want the people who are coming to us to be respectful. So yeah, I can definitely, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Definitely. And it's important. It's important to remember kind of what we talked about before that we're in charge of our own emotions. Like I may not like how the person is responding to me or how they're responding to my request or whatever, but I have control over how I respond to that. You know, do I fly off the handle? Do I, do I remain respectful? You know, and, and knowing that that's all I can do sometimes, you know, I can remain the bigger person. And sometimes that's it. Sometimes that's the best that we can get, but at least I can say I got that. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that's like so difficult sometimes, but you know, we can do hard things. We could do hard things. Sure can. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's impossible. Just because it's Mm -hmm. a challenge doesn't mean it's impossible. You know, we can do it. There's there's always going to be difficult people, no matter where we are or what we're doing. (laughs) You guys can't see my face, but like it it, seriously, there's always going to be. That's the one thing you can count on in life. (laughs) <laughs> nothing else it's that there will always be and learning to deal with those people simultaneously learning to have that strong foundation in relationships that we were talking about right like doing all of those things that that's where you find ease in life it's not a different job it's not right it, all a lot of the things will stay the same it's just how do you deal with those difficulties in a way that feels really good Yeah. So, and you know, too, I want to say just in having a strong family unit, like we were talking about, um, you touched on this just a little bit earlier, but I want to bring it back up. It's just having those strong friendships, that strong Mm -hmm. community who gets it, you know, and I'm not saying all your friends have to be military affiliated, which most likely if you're in the military life, it's going to be like that anyway, mm-hmm. but you know, having those people who believe in marriage, who is fighting for their marriage also, you know, you never want to put people in your life who are just negative all the time. 
Mm-hmm. More times than not, you're not going to be able to change them. And eventually that stuff may start to feed into your soul and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. You don't want mm-hmm. that at all. So you need to have people who are like-minded, mission-driven, who want to see marriages thrive, you know, who want to see families come together and be better and who have morals and values that are, if not, you know, the same as yours, very similar because Mm -hmm. I mean, you're different people. You're not going to always be the same. So you want to have people in your life that are like that. You know, for me, it was other dual military uh, couples and we would support each other more times than not. We would get, our husbands would get deployed, you know, and we'd be like, so we're not getting deployed, you know, so we just going to stay in the rear with the kids. Like that's what we're doing, you know, and we would have those same kind of feelings, you know, and so, but we would be there for each other when, when I had duty, you know, the other one would pick up my kid and watch my kid overnight, which is just a huge amount of trust. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. you know, kids are your precious jewels. Like you don't want to let them out of your sight if you don't have to. And so, you know, and if we had to do like, a field op, you know, keeping the kid while we're out in the field and vice versa, you doing it for somebody else. And so, and, or sometimes it would just be like the single active duty people who were my friends or worked with me and helped me out when my husband was gone. And I had to be, cause I was a leader too, you know, had to be at work early and late, you know? So yeah. Just those friendships are important. And like I said, you want to keep the people around you who are going to build you up and help Mm -hmm. you out and love you even in your imperfections and hear, hear you know, hear your drama and like walk with you through it and just be there Mm -hmm. to encourage you and pray with you and all types of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's so great about, I think, you know, like your group, for example, where you can have a place where people can be supportive, not judge each other. Um, I think there's a difference between like just complaining and being negative all the time and venting and then being productive with it. Right. Like you said, walking through, moving through it. So I think finding those people that, you know, are, are willing to do that with you and to get that you also have to be vulnerable same thing with relate you know with your marriage you have to be vulnerable and you have to be open and you have to give you know what you want to get um but man they're so worth it it's important to remember that not one person is going to meet all of your needs mm-hmm. ever you know they might mean a lot like my husband meets a lot of my needs but he cannot meet all of them especially when he's gone so having those other people that can really help to meet your needs, be there when you need to, and then you can be there for them in return, but, you know, recognizing that it is important to have that support and it's okay. It's not weak. It's strong to have that support. Yeah. And also, you know, I talk about this a lot. There is some needs that you can meet yourself and there's also needs that only God is meant to meet. And every now and then you'll find, and, and like I, I always say, I don't feel like people just, you know, get married and like, oh my goodness, you're going to be my God now. Nobody does that. I mean, nobody I know personally, not saying people, but um, you know, 
it's one of those things where every now and then, you know, you may catch yourself putting your spouse up on a pedestal saying my husband is. So that means I am Mrs. Whatever my husband is or whatever his rank is, you know, that means you are making them your God. And mm-hmm. it's unintentional. I believe it's unintentional, but Agreed. I think where a lot of the issues reside is in that thing right there that I just mentioned. Yep. And it's like, you're expecting your spouse to fill what people call a void. I don't like that word, but, but what people call a void that only God is meant to fill mm-hmm. um, because that's just how we're made. That's how we're created. That's how we're wired. And our spouse is to come alongside of us and complement the things that God has, has for us and has destined for us and vice versa. But they're never meant to replace God in your mm-hmm. life. And so I feel like when we start to look at them, like they should be doing all these things for me to make me feel a certain way then we are expecting them to be our God. And maybe for some of you listening, you may think that's a stretch, but honestly, when it comes down to it, that's what it is. That's what it is. And it's something that we have to reconcile in ourselves to say, okay, my spouse is not this infallible person. We're both flawed. We both make mistakes because we're human and that's okay. But we can work through our things and work on togetherness and closeness and connection and be better people, people in a better like marital unit. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I totally agree. Um, I've spoken like a true military spouse. I have to, here I am juggling. I'm going to have to go pick up my daughter (laughs) from school here soon. Um, this has been really wonderful. I've really enjoyed being here. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm really super excited about your podcast and everything that you are sharing with others. I think people are benefiting from you so much. And I'm so happy that you are here and in the world and sharing your voice. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise with us and just gracing our presence with everything you had to offer. So for those of you listening, I want to leave you with three things to learn from this podcast. Number one is create a journal to write down important things. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be like this whole big thing. You can just get printer paper if that's what you have right now and just start and you can staple all those together. It'll work. Just writing things down, you know, will help you because it'll be like speaking those things. You know, you've read books before and you felt the emotions in those words in a book. So it's, it's the exact same thing. Number two, cultivate a safe haven for yourself and for your family, because it has to be something where you feel free and you feel great in it. And that will translate to your husband and your kids and even your animals if you have them. You know, and number three, a strong foundation comes from intention. It doesn't just happen. We love to think that, and that would probably be easier in life. But, you know, we have to work at things and we have to make sure that with everything we're doing, that there's a purpose behind it. That's what being intention or intentional means. And so that's what I want to leave you guys with during this episode. I pray you all have a great and blessed day. Thank you for tuning in. Bye, everyone.
If you're interested in finding out more about me, the number one military marriage, family, and relationship coach, you can go to www.teresaalexis.com or connect with me on social at Teresa Alexis Speaks on IG, Facebook, and TikTok, and T Alexis Speaks on Clubhouse and Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and activate notifications so you don't miss out on any new episodes that go live. I'm excited going forward by how this podcast will impact your life and cultivate a better you and a better marriage and family dynamic. Now go forth and be awesome.